You're listening to River Church Podcast. To learn more about River Church or to support us financially, please visit us online at rivercolumbia.com. We hope that you enjoy this week's message. I really am very excited to teach this morning, really excited to share with y'all what the Lord has shown me over the last couple of months, couple of years. Um, I'll start by saying this, y'all are familiar with like the reading plan that is, uh, that Greg kind of like wrote out for us. It's the order of the Tanakh. It's the Hebrew Bible, um, the Ketavim, or Torah, which is the five, first five books, right? Um, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and the writings and the prophets. And so as we were like reading through uh, the Bible in that order, um, it's a little different than our, like this Bible right here. Um, as I was reading through that, um, we do it in like 60 days. It's like really fast paced. Um, some, n- something to like note about it. It's kind of similar to like watching a movie where you like grasp like major ideas and like major principles, like biblical, biblical themes and stuff like that. Um, Cause you know, like makes sense, right? You're reading in Genesis one and like tomorrow you're in Genesis 50. And because you just read that yesterday, you're like seeing these connections build and throughout the 60 days that like constantly happens and it's really beautiful it's really amazing it's um although like meditating on scripture slowly and like really methodically is amazing um reading through like the narrative of the word in that manner is also like super fruitful and super awesome um that being said genesis 1 day 1 revelation 22 day 60 close it up um and what just like absolutely struck my heart was that God is looking for a man to love him. Day one, day 60, Genesis 1, Revelation 22. If, and I was like, if I could just sum up this whole, the whole point of this thing, which granted there's probably more points, but just in this time, that, that was what came to mind. That was what I was so struck with, is that God is sincerely after and longing for a man to just love him. That simple. Isn't that amazing? Um, some things that did for my heart was just like arrest any um, going further than he's asked or lagging behind in what he's asked. Um, walking with him the straight and narrow way. Does that make sense? Not doing any more, not running ahead, not going off on my own to do more than he's asked, right? Um, and certainly as well not lagging behind in apathy and laziness. Because he is looking for a man to love him. Um, the book of Kings, everyone familiar, probably. Um, basically, um, God's heart for the nation of Israel is that they would not have a king. Um, in the book of Samuel, they ask for a king. Um, and God's like, eh. Samuel's like, eh. And more or less, they get King Saul, right? He's small in his own eyes. He's a quite large in stature um but his uh although he was pure in the beginning he ended up like defying um what the lord was looking for which is a man to love him does that make sense we go from king saul the kingdom taken from him given to david um and from david pretty solid king although like um had some mishaps and some sexual perversion and all sorts of stuff um we go from king david to king solomon to king rehoboam king rehoboam is like quite wicked it just gets worse and worse and worse where like solomon um 
basically seeks pleasure outside of the presence and the glory of the Lord. And then his son Solomon comes and likewise follows in his dad's example of like having hundreds of wives who carry his heart off to other gods, right? Um, King Rehoboam comes next and he's, he's real bad. So bad, in fact, that the nation of Israel is actually split into two and you have Jeroboam and King Rehoboam and you've got the kingdom of Judah and the kingdom of Israel. And then you have these really long lineages of kings who some are good and some are awful. So bad that, you know, nation of Israel goes into exile, Judah in exile. It's really, really rough. The end of the Tanakh, the order that we are like reading the Bible in, there's a verse in Second Chronicles 16 during the life of Asa. Asa is a king um, and the Ethiopian army is a million man army, comes up against um, King Asa in his lifetime and Jesus, Jesus Lord Yahweh, delivers the Ethiopians into his hand, right? So think about that million man army like absurdly large battle absurdly large army comes against king asa um, and he seeks the lord he seeks the counsel of the lord and the lord delivers them into his hand while he's got you know i can't remember it's like three hundred thousand versus a million odds not in his favor right um later in his life judah or i mean excuse me the nation of israel builds like this um uh, it's called Ramah, I believe. It builds like a, a city close to Judah so they couldn't come in and out of it. And it's like really um, affecting poorly, like poorly affecting the kingdom of Judah's life. Um, and King Asa, instead of seeking the Lord like he did once against the king, um, Ethiopian king and their million man army, he seeks the favor and the counsel of the king of Syria. Right. So you see, once my heart was so fully devoted to him, loyal to him um, later in life. Um, I go here. I go elsewhere. Um, Yahweh's response to that is the eyes of the Lord run to and fro along the earth um, in order to be strong to those whose heart is loyal to him. To show himself strong to those whose heart is loyal to him. Isn't that amazing? Um, While what I want to teach on is not necessarily... Um, his favor and his strength towards those who is loyal to him. That's just amazing. Keep that in mind, of course, as I'm teaching. What I want to like really hammer in on is like his eye is running to and fro along the earth looking for a man whose heart is just loyal to him. In other words, who loves him. Just loves him. Um, important for us to now know what love is, right? Um, Lots of dysfunction, lots of disorder, lots of um, harm, truly harm. When I, um, based on my feelings, based on um, poor information, based on the world, define what love is, right? Um, Just imagine that gets really bad. Tracking? Um, The eyes of the Lord are running to and fro along the earth, looking for a man whose heart is loyal to him. Genesis 1, Revelation 22, just really wants a man who loves him. Got it? Um, cool. I want to, we're going to go quite a few places. Um, large um, desire of my heart is that we would all know the word. And so I want us to go to the word together, even if it takes a smidge longer today. Um, but Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. Let's go there real quick. This is going to be quite familiar to you. Probably most of what I say will be quite familiar to you today. And it's a good thing. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. 
what I'll do for us is kind of hammer down this idea that God is looking for a man to love him. Like that is really, really important, um, arguably the most important to the Lord and his commands. And then show you three different ways that that looks that is made known in the Tanakh and made known in the life of Jesus, made known in the life of and testimony of the apostles, Peter, James or Peter, Paul and John specifically. Cool. All right. Verse four. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. He's one. There is no other God but him. It's important. So very important to knowing what it actually means to love God. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Quite foundational to the, um, to the Jews when Jesus, later on, someone asks Jesus in Matthew 22, what's the greatest command? Jesus quotes this here. Um, let's flip back to Leviticus um, 19. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Um, I do that every time. Um, Everyone there? Cool. Leviticus 19, verse 18. You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So we got the Lord. The Lord God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Just to be convincing, let's go to Matthew 22, verse 34. Is everyone there? verse 34 but when the pharisees heard that he had silenced the sadducees they gathered together then then one of them a lawyer asked him a question testing him and saying teacher what is the greatest commandment in the law seems like a decent question jesus said to him you shall love your the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind this is the first and great commandment And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Um, What Jesus is establishing here is like order in the kingdom. We have first. That means first. That means preceding. It means number one. Can't have two without one. Right? First, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like it to love your neighbor as yourself. Do we see a centralized theme running throughout the word? Second Chronicles 69, the Lord is his eyes running to and fro along the earth, looking for a man whose heart is loyal to him. Um, cool. That should be well established. He is looking desperately, eagerly, sincerely um, desiring a man to love him. Um, personally, that is just incredibly relieving. Um, relieving again because I don't run ahead and I don't lag behind. I just stay right in step with what he desires, what he's looking for. Not what I'm looking for, not what someone else is looking for, what he's looking for. He's looking for a man to love him. Do you love him? Will you love him? The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the entire earth 
What he's looking for is a man whose heart is loyal to him. Um, there's much to be learned from the kings about what uh, not to do. Um, a poor example of a loyal heart to the Lord. Um, and then obviously you kind of close up Second Chronicles and flip open Matthew 1. That's the order of the Tanakh. And you're like, whoa, here he is. Isn't that amazing? And Jesus comes on the scene and you're like, finally, yeah. he's here. Yeah. The man whose heart is loyal to him. The man who goes first in loving God first with his whole heart. A complete, pure, faithful, blameless, pure, loyal heart. He loves him. He loves the Father. Um, the three things that like, we'll work through on um, like biblically defined what it means to love God um, is... A loyal, pure, faithful heart, fellowship with God, and loving others. Are you ready? Um, first, um, because it wasn't like the desire of God's heart to give Israel a king, he wanted to be their king. It's where like the demand and the, the need for a king to have a loyal heart, a man to have a loyal heart, started really like um, picking up steam. It became like very necessary. It had a couple of implications when this king did not love um, God with a loyal heart. They gave themselves over to idols. They built um, other like high places. And where the command was the Lord is one became the Lord is not one. The Lord is many. Yeah. It became like a vast multitude of different gods that could serve your own needs and desires and pleasures. And uh, it's dragon. It's uh, it was evil and wicked before him. Um, Another thing that it did is led to the oppression of the people in their own nation and them oppressing other nations, um, which is sin ruling on the earth, right? We talked about that. I talked about that in my house church a while back in Romans 5. It's like, as much as sin and death used to reign the earth, now those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness are to reign in life. So where oppression once ruled and reigned on the earth um, through a man not be remaining loyal and having one God, oppression reigns now we love God, we have, um, we love God, we have one God, and we can rule in life much more than sin rules on the earth. Isn't that insane? Mm -hmm. Asking us to rule in life more than death reigns on the earth, and death touches every man, and he's like, you'll rule in life more than death. Pretty amazing. Um, we see um, love, love for God, Again, defined as like a loyal heart, a faithful heart, a blameless heart, a pure heart. Um, when we talk about purity, um, that means like 100% pure. Of course, there's like the implication of it being absent of lust, right? But purity in our minds can't just be the absence of like sexual perversion. Purity of heart is pure. There's one God. This is Deuteronomy 6, 4. The Lord God is one. Loyal, pure, faithful, blameless heart. Um, in throughout like in our Bible after Second Chronicles and after a couple of other books, you have the minor prophets that wrap up our Old Testament. And the constant plea of every single one of these prophets is just like, return to me, come back to me, come back to me, come back to me. Will you like forsake these other idols and just come back to me? Return to me. He's just dying for it. He wants a man to love him. Um, it's amazing. Um, we let's go to Hosea two.
Um, this particular um, passage in Hosea 2, I kind of testified about it a few weeks back. Um, when River started um, back up even a little farther while we're still at like where we were before this in New Spring, um, I received a word. Um, more or less, I believed it was for somebody else. And uh, I'm like, man, the Lord is just going to burn somebody up with this. <laughs> and like... Um, Thinking that truly, like, it's, it kind of sounds silly to express, like, how much I believed that this was actually going to happen, was that we were going to go to rally on a Wednesday night, and there was going to be a lady there who had, like, given herself to, like, <laughs> it kills me. I hate that I was so prideful and arrogant. <laughs> I really did think that there was going to be a woman that would come in. That, like I would share this with her and it would just like ignite on, her heart on fire for him and um, she would repent and give her whole life to Jesus. And that goes on and I'm like, I'm really looking for her, really paying attention, really um, have like my senses attuned to like, if she's here, I'm going to know it. She's not going to slip by me. And the night progressed, ended, get home that night. I'm like, what? That's dumb. Um, kind of a few more weeks go by, a few more months go by and we uh, river starts up and we're seeking the Lord one night. Um, I don't even remember when we used to meet. It was like Sunday mornings, I think, or Sunday nights. And um, I was standing in the door frame of Pierce's playroom. Um, used to be Greg's office, and the Lord spoke to me and said, like, you've never sought me before. I was like, <laughs> I was like you're wrong. I don't know. <laughs> what the freak? That's such a ridiculous thing to say. I like... <laughs> I was like, I can show you that I've sought you before. And um, because isn't that like never sought me before? Yeah. And I'm like, what? Like, not even a little bit. Um, the Lord is one. He's looking for a loyal heart. Um, God plus something is not God. And you cannot serve God and another master. Yeah. Yeah. So while I was seeking my own glory running after other idols, giving my heart over um, to other passions and desires and call it what you want. Um, I was never seeking him. It was more or less always about me. Always. It's frustrating. And of course, a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. I had a couple encounters and I loved them and I was trying my best, right? (laughs) I wasn't a... Um, um, I truly like that struck me Um, it struck me because I cared like I I'm like I hear that word I'm like I don't I don't even know how to agree because that doesn't even seem true like I don't even know what to think right now he speaks to me about that and over the next couple of months he calls to mind Hosea too and um, for the last four years, he has jealously allured me into the wilderness to speak tenderly and to draw up every idol and to remove every single one out of my mouth. It's amazing. Um, Hosea is, a, is about uh, a man sent to love a prostitute, um, to experience and display the heart of God, to walk in forgiveness and mercy and kindness. Um, not only that, but to testify about the nation of Israel who is like wicked and pure and adulterating before him, whoring around with other gods. 
right? Other idols, things we put our trust in. Um, hopefully, this is drawing up a bit of consideration in your life as you hopefully ask the Spirit to search your heart and are there idols in my life that are prohibiting me from loving one God with my whole heart? That'd be the point of this, you know? <laughs> um, and I really do honor the fact that I believe so many of us have walked in that and endured the pain of that, the pain of the discipline for those things to be removed. Um, yielding the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Incredible. Um, but again, um, to love God the way he's asking to be loved is to do so with a loyal heart. That's one of the three that I'll talk about. Uh, I just want to make that like abundantly clear that when he says the Lord is one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength, he means like completely no other idol um again you see like the examples of the kings things that and you can just learn so much from them. it's crazy things that um draw man's heart not just a man but like mankind's heart away from god is sexual perversion it's building your own kingdom it's seeking your own glory it's um, insecurity fear all sorts of like different things that we allow to be lord of our life instead of him and it like takes your heart away from it and sets it on something else and you see this in revelation 22 you do all these things wonderfully but i have this one thing against you you've abandoned your first love he's just looking for a man's heart to remain so loyal and faithful to him um i will testify that is a painful thing to endure um the word that kind of another word that struck me like heavily in the beginning of river is that like the travail of birth and to endure the discipline of the Lord, which is his love, to the degree that no, not one single idol, not one single other influence, not one single other thing that's desiring to like possess my heart yeah. will be present is painful. Yeah. It was a laborious effort. Yeah. It was not fun. <laughs> you know? It yielded the peaceful fruit of righteousness and is continuing to yield the peaceful fruit of righteousness as namely me seeking my own glory was um, I was allured into the wilderness, allured into fellowship with him, allured into the secret place. And he spoke to these things extremely directly like you've never saw me before. And I'm like, what that looked like is I'm like, oh, yeah, while I worship, like when we gather and I worship, I'm thinking about other things besides him. And I can't help it. It's like, I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking about what other people think, I'm thinking about me, I'm thinking about what I need to do differently, I'm thinking about what needs to be fixed, I'm thinking about how I need to think differently, I need to do this, this, and this. He's like, you've never, what about seeking me? Yeah. Um, Testified to this too before, what that required was for me to let go of being Lord of my own life and trust that I would be okay. I'm finding out that I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> Still, as I let go of being the Lord of my own life, yeah. seeking my own glory, putting my trust in other idols, things that logically, reasonably make sense, things that have been taught to me that I ought to do that are good things, all sorts of things. He's looking for. Who wants to be what he's looking for? Like, really bad. I believe it. I want to be like the man he's looking for. That's not insecure, and that's not legalistic. Like, I really deeply desire to be the man that God's looking for on the earth. 
that has a loyal heart, that has allowed himself to be burned up in love, that has allowed himself to be allured and drawn into the secret place and spoken tenderly to, that he could betroth us together and he would be my husband forever. And I wouldn't give myself to one other single thing, not even one single little bit. Like, the zeal of the Lord really is like, burn that up, that I want to be that man. And like, what that looks like is allowing him to draw me in and letting him do what he desires because he's jealous for me. Right? Um, obviously, the Tanakh testifies of this a lot. You, you see all these different kings that are like pouring after other things. You see so many examples. Kind of by nature of the word and the nature of the gospel, we need help. Um, that you see so many examples of like a disloyal heart. And you, and you should pay attention to that as you read the word. Like what things are defined and instructed as disloyal and we like repent right we don't do those things because we want to have a loyal heart to him um while the Tanakh does this obviously Jesus's life and example are prime right um let's go to John 14 um some words that like what he's looking for, a loyal heart. That word loyal means whole or blameless or faithful or pure. Um, really like defining the life of Jesus. Um, I want to just clarify one thing before we read in John 14. What I'm doing in trying to like express to you guys is biblically defined love. Because when I fall in line with what he defines as biblically defined love, we, like, walk together. (coughs) There's peace. There's joy. There's fellowship. It's wonderful. It's like heaven on earth. It's union with God. It's as we ought to be. Um, When I have defined love for myself in the past, it's been way, way worse than that. Trust me. It's been no good. Um, Something very important to note about defining love for yourself is like your feelings don't get to define love for you. Um, This may be helpful explanation or example. Like if somebody doesn't invite you to something, you don't get to call that they don't love me. Does that make sense? It makes you feel unwanted or like not thought about or X, Y, or Z. But um, as time goes on, like, I begin to find love based on someone leaving me out rather than his word. You know? Um, place that I did this is, like, this is a place that, like, really affected my whole life in ways I'm sure I'm not even aware of yet. But, like, growing up um, with, like, a family that's broken, that's, like, my parents are divorced, that still, like, hurts my heart because it's not, like, his desire. Yeah. And, like... All the pain that that caused, all the loneliness that it caused, all the frustration that it caused, um, my the feelings that I had was like not loved, you know. Makes a lot of sense. Um, however, I don't get to in that moment and throughout time to find love based on um, what my parents did wrong, you know. The way that affects me is like so and so doesn't include me on something they don't love me. It's like, what? No. That doesn't mean that, actually. 
but we're convinced that it means that. Yeah. You know? Over the years, I've had to, like, truly repent of, like, my dad doing this or my mom doing this and me not feeling loved and defining that as love, right? All the while, holy crap, my parents loved me. Like, they were trying their best. They were doing everything they possibly could to make sure that I was well. Do you see, like, the heaven in that? Um, It's a really important thing to consider. Um, And I really kind of from that place and like from his word just so eagerly desire to define like biblical love for us and this first one what he defines what he's looking for is a just a heart that's like completely given to him yeah. so it just jay was testifying of when we started like giving all of your affection um all of your heart all your mind soul body and strength um loyal faithful pure the lord is one no other God, no other influence, um, no other possessing force, no other Lord. Um, way that you can consider is there a idol? Is there a other possessing, influencing Lord of my life? Is like when what do you like think about most? Like, what tends to come up in your conversation most? What influences the way you speak most? If it's a celebrity, if it's a school of thought, if it's anything but Jesus and his word, there's a possessing force influencing you to a degree of a unfaithful, disloyal heart towards God. Does that make sense? Political ideals? Holy smokes. Right? And it's just like every time you get in a conversation, you're talking about politics, you know? Um, what I would encourage you to do with this is um, if, like, as you ask the Lord to search your heart, if there are other idols and other, like, possessing influences and other lords of your life to um, allow him to to spend some time in Hosea 2 and allow him to lure you away into the secret place and speak tenderly to you, to love you, to remove all fear, all fear of death um, that would cause you to give yourself over to another idol or Lord. It's so important. It's so important. Um, Repent and follow him. Maybe a little more complicated than that. Maybe not. It felt sometimes more complicated for me than that, but, um, yeah. And as you probably know, there's many people to hold your hand in that, which praise God. I'm really thankful for the way that um, Greg and everyone else held my hand in repenting of these idols and, like, accepting and, like, um, not accepting in terms of approving or condoning, but, like, accepting me as I am and weakness and, like, not throwing me away. That's nice. That's why I did it for so long. That's why I didn't confess for so long, because I was terrified. You know? I'm serious. The reason idols um, persisted so long in my life is because I was just afraid. You don't have to be afraid. You're safe. Um, John 14. Let's go to verse 23. We're going to read 23 and then skip down a little bit. So, 
Um, Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, that's what we're, we want to do that. If you're born again, um, I believe you've been given a new heart and you want to love God. Um, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home in him. He who does not love me does not keep my words and the word which you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. Let's skip down to verse 31. But that the world may know that I love the Father, and that the Father gave me commandments, so I do. Oh, let's go back up to verse 29. Sorry, that doesn't make much sense. Verse 29. Now I've told you before. Dang it. you got to go to 25. I'm doing it. Sorry. You need the context. He's talking about um, his crucifixion. He's like foretelling and letting his disciples know that like we're headed to Jerusalem so that I can die. Right? Um, verse 25, these things I've spoken to you while being present with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he'll teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. Praise God. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You've heard my, me say to you, I'm going away and coming back to you. If you love me, you would rejoice because I said I'm going to the Father and my Father is greater than I. See how Jesus loves the Father. See how he's just the perfect example of a loyal heart? Yeah. Now, I've told you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe. I'll no longer talk much with you, for the rule of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. But that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandments, so I do. Arise and let us go from here. What Jesus is talking about is his crucifixion. Like his face set towards Jerusalem. Imagine the loyal heart and Jesus to do such a thing. The perfect example of a loyal heart. Imagine, like, just imagine the inner world present, the absence of any other influence, any other possessing force, any other idea, the complete absence, the complete sober-mindedness, the complete um, faithfulness, blamelessness, purity of heart to love the Father so much that I will go do what you said. that the world may know that I love the Father do you see it? that the world may know that I love the Father as the Father gave me commandments so I do that's a pure and loyal heart Um, let's go to John 5 verse 16 We all learning something? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Something that I've been um, like passionate about lately is that um, like my ears would quit itching for new things, basically. Yep. That like anything yeah. in me that says this is redundant would just sleep. Especially when it pertains to the love of God. Um, John 5 or yeah John 5 verse 16 for this reason the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath again just he's just doing his thing he's healing people on the Sabbath because Jesus is Lord or because Yahweh is Lord it's kind of complicated when you talk about that (laughs) you get what I'm saying because God is one 
Um, Jesus answered them, My father has been working until now, and I have been working. Therefore the Jews sought to kill him all the more, because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. For the father loves the son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. For as the father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the son gives life to whom he will. For the father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the son. That all should honor the son just as they honor the father. He who does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. Um, Jesus' words, if I do absolutely nothing that the Father doesn't do, I only do what the Father does. I only say what the Father says. Imagine. I imagine and hope for um, me stewarding my gift of teaching to be exactly that. Not seeking my own glory one single bit where I only walk according to the Spirit and I only say what he's saying and I only do what he's doing Um, that's me stewarding my gift of teaching in a way that honors him Um, for you it's stewarding any other gift in any other manner um, or in a manner that honors him that is completely void of self selfish ambition seeking your own glory seeking to be great Jesus is not concerned with being great and he was the greatest you know so much on display about a man's heart that walks in that manner the security the peace the obvious fellowship with God the identity established in love the son um, completely absent of any like orphan thinking talked plenty about that before this is just a man a hundred percent imagine a hundred percent loyal to the father loyal to the father not one other thing and like if i'm honest as i walk in my life there's tendencies to be disloyal there's tendencies to walk according to insecurity or um, seeking approval or like proving myself or anything of that manner and i want those things burned up I want to be drawn away to the secret place so that every single idol is removed so that when I preach the word, it pierces between soul and spirit. You know? I want to be so burned up that nothing, not one single thing, comes between me and my husband. That's like, when we talk about a loyal heart, that's what you get. Isn't that nice? 100% perfect union and fellowship with the Father because there's nothing in the way. To love God is to have a loyal, faithful, blameless, whole heart, pure heart, completely given over to him, not one other thing. Cool. Um, The second way that love in the word is displayed, the love that God's looking for is fellowship with him, union with him. Doesn't that sound nice? That kind of happens to be my favorite. I'm like, that's amazing. You ask me to love you, and that just happens to be my favorite thing to do. So that's really awesome. Um, Let's go. Actually, we won't go there. Jay mentioned this earlier, which is awesome. I love when things are stirred up in my heart, and then Jay says the same thing, or Colton says the same thing. I'm just like, that really is unity of the Spirit, and it's beautiful. 
Um, Matthew 6 says when you pray. Isn't that amazing? Not if you pray or not um, you go pray. It's not, a, it's not necessarily a command. It's like insinuated. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? When you pray, isn't that like display the fact that loving God is fellowship? Yeah. Time spent together. Yeah. Um, one-on-one time. When you pray, go to your father in secret who sees in secret so he may reward you openly. Um, his definition of love is one that involves and is centered around fellowship, doing everything together. That's amazing. It really is. Like, when I think about, okay, I'll be honest, like, there's been times in my life where I'm like, ugh, secret place, uh, read the Bible, like, God, I want to do something else, I want to go play Fortnite, I want to go do this, yeah. <laughs> right? Seriously. And I just, like, any bit of like reluctancy to go spend time with him yeah. I just want that gone yeah. I want that gone because like truly when I am realizing that what he requires and what he's looking for is fellowship I'm like you want to spend time with me yeah. it like I kind of say this it happens to be my favorite part yeah. I'm so thankful why the heck would I be reluctant of that what he's looking for is a man who loves fellowship with him. Um, let's go to Hebrews 4. I want that gone. I want, like, uh, any bit of reluctancy in me absolutely gone. I believe that it can be. Um, Hebrews 4, verse 16. All right. Actually, let's go to 14. Hebrews 4, 14. Well, I've never related so much with why you do that. <laughs> That's funny. All right, Hebrews 4, 4 14. Um, seeing then that we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, with our weaknesses, excuse me, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. That's just freaking fascinating to me. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What's on display here is that to love God is to go have fellowship with him, to go be with him, to do absolutely everything day in and day out, minute by minute, second by second together with him. Doesn't um, the throne of grace sound like a nice place? Yeah. It's always there. Even when I don't feel like it's there, it's there. Even when I'm reluctant, it's still there. Just praise God. Praise God that he, like, doesn't change. That, like, my reluctancy and my silliness, my um, lack of discipline even, maybe, doesn't change the fact that he's just there. That throne room of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Um, I believe that... Um, 
whether or not you love God, like, I won't get anyone to raise their hand, but it's like, if I ask who loves God, we're all raising our hand. I've been raising my hand since I was six. Um, who loves God? You know. And if, as I'm teaching on this, that a loyal heart is to love God and to have fellowship with him is to love God, and there's not a loyal heart and no fellowship, you don't love God. Um, I've been convinced over the years that just the most clear display of faith is to go be with him. If I really believed in Jesus, if I believed that like I was dead in sin and he saved me and he reconciled me back to the father, like the thing that would mark that is me going to be with the father. Hands down every time where there is no fellowship, there is no real faith, and there is no real love for yeah. God. Yeah. And uh, I don't say that to anyone's um, trouble by any means, but allow it to convict you if it does. It's not necessarily meant to scare you. It's meant to just like beckon you yeah. because he's jealous for you, to allure you, to allow me to remove these idols and like his promises like lo I'll be with you always just begin to stand out and you're like you're always with me <laughs> becomes really encouraging and nice um, a way that um, like he's taught me to walk out doing everything together like having fellowship with him having fellowship with him is going in secret and praying like Matthew 6 instructs hands down 100% the secret place cannot be replaced and I would encourage it daily, multiple times a day, as often as you can go. Um, As often as you go is probably marked by the affection that you're willing to give to him, Um, which is so convicting for me. Convicting, not scary. It's just convicting. Like, I want to do that more. I want to go be alone with him more. Just like any husband and wife who are just like affectionately, passionately, zealously, jealously in love would go be away together. a way that he's like taught me to do everything together is in Galatians and Romans. It says that the spirit in you is crying out, Abba, Father, and um, in worship and in work and in teaching and in shepherding and in my alone time and in just everything I do. I, I try to be like conscientious of the spirit in me that's crying out for him. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. If you're born again, your spirit has been perfected forever. You have a spirit. It's like the deepest thing in your guts. And it's crying out, Abba, Father. Yeah. You can probably tell. You can probably tell, like, despite the day you had, despite what you're doing, despite the idols present, if you're born again and you've confessed Jesus as Lord, you got a spirit that cries out, Abba, Father. Like, you want to be with him. You long for him. What if we just learned to yield to that? Like, till it just became my new nature. Yeah. Till, like, when I mess up at work or something goes wrong, what I'm walking according to is my spirit crying out, Abba Father. Yeah. When I worship on a Sunday morning and I'm standing here looking at him, I follow Abba's Father, yeah. not seeking my own glory. Yeah. You see? I, uh, 
I think you truly can discern. It's been one of the most comforting things. It's like proof and evidence of your salvation being like established as the spirit of God in you. And um, consider and follow and um, yield completely to that spirit in you crying out, Abba, Father. And like learn, practice righteousness of like daily, second by second, minute by minute. Just like try your best to yield to it. It's not a complicated. <laughs> um, Jesus, pretty good example of this. Yeah. 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 Um, Jesus, Yahweh being Abba, like Father, I think is one of the best revelations, the greatest revelations that Jesus had. I think that it marked his um, his life and his ministry and his death and his resurrection. Yahweh was Abba. Yeah. When Yahweh's Abba, when I'm one with God, when he's like literally my dad and we do everything together, my life will start to look a lot like Jesus's. Yeah. The perfect example. Yeah. The first example. Yeah? I want to walk like that. Um, really thankful for the testimony of Jesus and the life of Jesus that shows me that union with God in that manner is like legitimately possible. Yeah. Not required and impossible. That would be dumb. Cruel. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, required. Um, sought after by God. A heart that loves him is a heart that has, is loyal towards him, has fellowship with him. Yeah. Um, Nice. The third thing that it's like to love God is this, is to love others. Biblically defined love. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> to love God is to love this person. Yeah. Like, that doesn't really make sense. Um, the, before I get into this, just so you know, the greatest way that you could ever love me is loving Belle. Yeah. Doesn't that just kind of make sense now? You're like, oh, yeah, I, I get it. Like, the way that you can love me and serve me and have fellowship with me is like being obsessed with Belle. I love it. It makes me happy. Like, um, it's incredible. All right, let's go to Luke chapter 10. Uh, verse 25. So, so far, to nail it down, we've got um, loving God is a loyal, faithful, pure, blameless heart. And um, one, or that's number one. Number two is loving God is having fellowship with him. Cool. All right. Luke chapter 10, verse 25, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What's your reading of it? Um, so he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Hey, it's there. Look at it. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? I think like our hearts ask that same question too, by the way. Like what may what can I do to just like inherit eternal life? Yeah. He says, like, what's the greatest command? Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. 
Verse 28, he said to him, you've answered rightly, do this and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, in other words, not submitting to the righteousness of God, not allowing Jesus to justify him, um, said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. priest passed by on the other side it's a bad look likewise a levite when he arrived at the place came and looked and passed by on the other side but a certain samaritan as he journeyed came where he was and when he saw him he had compassion so he went to him and bandaged his wounds pouring on oil and wine and he set him on his own animal brought him to an inn and took care of him on the next day when he departed he took out two denarii to um gave them to the innkeeper and said to them, take care of him and whatever more you spend when I come back, I'll repay you. So which of these three do you think was his neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said to him, he who showed mercy on him. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Amazing. It's good stuff. Maybe been a while since you heard that um, story of the Good Samaritan. What is amazing is Jesus is defining what it looks like to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Like, what may I do to inherit eternal life? Go and do this. And Jesus says, and when he asks, like, who's my neighbor? Um, it's kind of a fair question. You're like, um, this is your neighbor. And it's pretty beautiful. As Jesus like defines this for us like that my neighbor is like anyone anywhere at any time for anything like our benediction that like I just kind of obey that yeah. you know yeah. because he's looking for a man to love him yeah. and that's what he said love is yeah. so I'm like yes sir <laughs> okay Right? The spirit in me cries out, Abba, Father, is like um, desires fellowship with him, wants to be loyal, and I can't neglect serving and loving others when he says it's all the same. You know? Anywhere, anytime, for any reason. If that disrupts your life, it will, and we're just going to learn to go with it. You know? Anywhere, anytime, any reason anything what if we gave that a shot like what if just one day like let's stick to one day because that seems manageable tomorrow we all did that what he asked us to do what he said is to love God with all your heart with all your heart soul mind and strength and your neighbor as yourself what he said it is what if we just did that like it'd be fun I think maybe some crazy things would happen <laughs> Maybe we would just start to see heaven manifest on earth yeah. like we all say we want. Yeah. You know? It's good. Um, yeah. Cool. We're all pretty familiar with 1 Corinthians 13, him defining love there. Um, love is patient, love is kind. Love does not envy, does not boast, doesn't rejoice in iniquity, hopes all things, believes all things, endures all things. You know him towards us 
me towards him and others. And it's like, you don't insist on your own way. You know, God doesn't insist on his own way. That really kind of turns things upside down for me a little bit. Lord not insisting on his own way. It's pretty remarkable. Evidently, that's what love is. And we're to like walk like he walked in the same manner towards him, towards others. It's kind of weird to think about like to love God with to be not insisting on your own way towards him. Does that make sense? To love God would be to not insist on your own way towards him. Relieving, um, convicting, um, probably some perpetuating frustration in our life would leave if I quit insisting on my own way towards him. When asking for things turns into insisting on things. Paul says he asked three times and he said that was enough. Asked three times for this thorn in his side to leave, regardless of what it was. He said, My power is perfect in your weakness. Grace is sufficient. Um, just kind of crazy. So, 1 Corinthians 13, obviously a good place to define biblical love for us. Um, just for the sake of time, we're going to go to 1 John 4, verse 20. First John's really cool because I swear, like, he was struck by um, this same reality, like the word which, like, from beginning to end, God looking for a man to love him, and like the original commands of to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. John's like, those are still really important. If you read the book of First John, you will be struck with the same reality that he is convinced that to love God and love people. Um, and to serve your neighbor is still very much so dis- like the display of whether or not we have fellowship with him. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Whether or not we actually have union with him, whether or not this is like actually real or just a tradition or an idea of some sort, is that it would be marked with like a loyal, pure heart, fellowship with God, and loving and serving others. Right. Basically, I ripped all this off of old John. <laughs> Pretty easy. Um, something that John, I think, like, really was well established in was, like, the first command is to love God, and the second is like it. You know? I'll show you. First, um, 1 John 4, verse, yeah, 20. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom... He has seen how can he love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him that he who loves God must love his brother also. John's like establishing some super, super important order in the kingdom of heaven. That first we love God and the second is like it that we love our neighbor as ourself. The, the reality of one another being present. Um, I wrote it like this. Both present validate the legitimacy of one another. Does that make sense? 
loving God and serving and like loving your neighbor, not hating your brother, not turning a blind eye like the priest and Levite, establish and validates the legitimacy of your love for God. Yeah. Love for God establishes and um, validates the legitimacy of your love for man. If you like operate in kindness towards man without the love of God, may not be what he calls loving your neighbor. If you love God and don't walk like Jesus walked, would question the the validity of your love for God. Like John says, again, 1 John 4.20, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? In this, the command, and this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. The Lord God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And in Leviticus, love your neighbor as yourself. Both present validate the legitimacy of one another. Really important. Um, go back to First John three ten. I think it really is amazing. Um, kind of convicts me to like steward the scriptures well and to appreciate the word in its entirety. When I see John picking up on something that was talked about in Deuteronomy and Leviticus, you know, and it's like wow, this is just such a beautiful thing we have. Um, that's to influence and like kind of lay some framework for how you're to treat the scriptures as well. Yeah. And I prom like that's just like for your good. I, I, there's probably some fear in the Lord there. Um, fiddling, sorry. There's probably some fear of the Lord there with like how to steward the scriptures, but like to steward them in that manner to see beginning to end, like Genesis one to Revelation twenty two, is good for you. It like ignites your heart on fire. Yeah. Like when you read first or Genesis one to um, the end of Chronicles, Second Chronicles. I can't remember how many chapters there are. Maybe thirty four, I think. And you flip that page to Matthew, you're like, "Holy crap! Here he is." You know, um, if there is bits of you that wish this whole thing would be more real would like occupy your mind more would influence you more like begin to read the word and treat it like the example we have before us which is like John picking up on these like Torah values at the end of his life as an old man after he encountered the man of love and walked with and he's just still on fire about it he's still passionate about it he's like the original command I don't give you a new command the same one to love God love your neighbor as yourself he's looking for a man to love him First John three ten. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. This is another example of the presence of both validating the legitimacy of one another. If one is absent, the other is absent. Does that make sense? And like, just to kind of testify... A really good posture to have towards this is to say, okay. <laughs> All right? Um, he'll search your heart if you ask him to. Yeah. And he will reveal. Um, actually, I'll get that to in, in a minute. But just, okay. Yeah. Like, it's like, 
okay, yeah, I want to do that. So like whatever you freaking say, I don't care if I like messed it up or did it a little wrong. It's just like, yeah, sweet. Okay. Let me do it. I want to do it. I want to, I want to be the guy you're looking for. Yeah. Whatever that means, whatever I need to repent of, however I'll be misunderstood, however I'll feel, however else, like whatever. I'm going to be the man that you're looking for. Um, this is going to be the fun part, although that was fun too. Um, it's not very Christ-like for me to like wait to love somebody until they love me, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll respect you once you start respecting me. That's kind of like carnal. Yeah. Um, that's what he did for us. Does that make sense? Do you see how merciful that is? It's like, by nature, I'm like, I'll start loving you and you love me. And he's like, okay, we love because he first loved us. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. He's so merciful towards our nature, yeah. our brokenness. Like, he knew, like, by default, we would not love him until he came and loved us. Right. And he was like, like, if somebody was to treat me like that, I would be reluctant and hesitant to go love them. You're only going to love me when I start loving you? Is that real? Is that genuine? Is that sincere? And he's like, I just love you. <laughs> so good. It's amazing. I just think it's the most merciful thing. Um, he looked past it and saw me, despite yep. all of me being in the way. Um, look at, we were just at First John 4, go up one verse of First um, John four nineteen. just so you know I'm not making it up. We love him because he first loved us. Um, he defines love as a loyal heart, right? Fellowship with God and serving, um, loving your neighbor. Um, I hope this makes sense. I can do that because he did that for me. Um, when it comes to the first one, a loyal heart is what he's looking for. His eyes are running along the earth looking for a heart that's loyal to him, a man to just love him, um, one that's been burnt up in love, one that's endured the travail of birth, that yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness, one who's faithful, a faithful bride ready with her oil. In Matthew 25, like we spent some time in lately. As he, that's what he's looking for, right? At the same time, he's alluring he requires a loyal heart and then goes first in alluring me into the wilderness to speak tenderly to me, to remove all these idols. That's him going, that's, I can go because he is alluring me. That's him loving me and my responses to love him like he's always been looking for. Um, fellowship with God being required, like um, the secret place being like when you go pray not like, like when by insinuation we would do that um, he is the one standing at the door and knocking yeah. isn't that amazing yeah. like what's required is fellowship and he's the one knocking on my door yeah. what the freak yeah. he says to love your neighbor as yourself and at the end of his time on earth says lo I'll be with you always 
like he wants to do that together. Like he says, go love your neighbor as yourself, follow these commands, do this, and I'll do it all with you. Like, it'll be like you just holding my hand and us doing it together. This is biblically defined love. This is him loving me first in absolutely everything. Like, he loved me first, yes, by John. That's John 15. Love knows, great, love knows no one greater than this, but to lay one's life down for his friend. Like Jesus' example of the greatest uh, example of love to ever have occurred is him sacrificing his life for me. Um, that's him loving me first. That's him looking past transgression and just loving me. And not only that, as now what's required is a loyal heart to him, fellowship with him, and loving others, he goes first in as well. And I think that's amazing. I'm really thankful for that. Um, again, he allures me. Uh, it wouldn't be like him to, to require a loyal heart and leave it up to you. Does that make sense? He doesn't require a loyal heart and says, good luck. Yeah. He requires a loyal heart and then says, come here. Yeah. <laughs> um, he doesn't require fellowship and then go on vacation. He re- requires fellowship and he's been knocking. Yeah. Holy crap, he's been knocking. Yeah. He's been there and he'll always be there. Um, and he has required us to love others and says, I'm already here with you, and in fact, I'll be with you always. Let's do it together. Um, let's go to Luke 7. This just always um, hammers down the reality that we love because he first loved us to me. Um, well, there is just such a massive responsibility for us as followers of Jesus to like follow this original command to love God and love your neighbor as yourself and that the, the presence of both of those validates the legitimacy of one another. Like, There's so much responsibility to that, but it's like an easy, light burden. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Like, There is very much so like instruction coming from me of saying this is how we love. You don't get to define that. Feelings don't get to define that. This is how... Like, biblically speaking, love is defined. The love of God and the love of your neighbor is defined. There's so, so much responsibility with it, yet a light and easy burden. How could that be light and easy? This is, <laughs> like, this is, uh, this makes a lot of sense to how this could be light and easy when we we'll read this. Matthew, or Luke 20, oh, shoot, did I go wrong? Oh, yeah, Luke 7, sorry. Luke 7, verse 36. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And when he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat, and behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, most likely like a prostitute of some sort. Behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. Hopefully you call to mind what Jay was saying this morning about pouring out all your affection on him. And stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with her hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, 
This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who's touching him, for she's a sinner. Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. That would be kind of terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) And he said, teacher, say it. And there was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and another 50. When they had nothing to do, or nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? His eyes run to and fro along the earth, looking for a man whose heart is loyal to him. He's looking for a man to love him. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. Jesus said to him, you've rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to him, or but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. The responsibility to walk as Jesus walked and to follow the biblically defined example of to love God and love your neighbor as yourself becomes incredibly like effortless and easy and light when I remember like I was legitimately dead and wicked and evil by nature separate from God and he just looked past all my transgression took it upon himself and saved me we love because he first loved us Um, I want you to consider that if the gospel and following Jesus a loyal heart fellowship and loving others is stale to you If your heart is grown apathetic or insensitive or numb to um, those things, the fellowship, the loyal heart, loving others, I would really encourage you to spend some time with Luke 7 um, and remember how much he forgave you. Um, It really ignites my heart on fire. to testify when it comes to having a loyal heart a faithful pure heart and like he brings up like uh you're seeking your own glory in this and i'm like gosh again that gosh again leaves when i'm like you saved me you forgave me when i confess and remember like i was dead and you saved me you love me whatever you say goes like when I get in secret and I see and experience his encounter with me and like um, his touch on me and when I experience him holding me, it's like whatever you say. I don't care if it's embarrassing. I don't care if I ought to be past this by now. I don't care like if it'll if I'll be misunderstood. I don't care. Like whatever you say, I want a loyal heart to you. Obviously, that just strikes me accord with me to go have fellowship with him when he's the one who saved me you know doesn't that really make a lot of sense and obviously when I'm forgiven like I just forgive so much like there's a reason he commands us to forgive others the way you've been forgiven like kind of makes sense when I'm forgiven it's just like yeah 
<laughs> like when that actually strikes me, when that actually, when I obey that, when I like get underneath that and submit my spirit to it, when I submit my mind to it, it's like, yeah, forgiveness. You forgave me. I can't forgive others. We love because he first loved us. Does that make sense? <laughs> cool. Um, pretty, pretty easy three things to remember, I think. Um, and allow them to search your heart and get in your business about um, maybe how you've defined love for yourself. You know? And, like, again, let's give it a shot. Like, tomorrow... Anywhere, anytime, anything, any reason, I think we'd have some fun.